Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Learn, and I'm joined, as always, especially as always on Deprogrammed, by Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hey, Carter. Good evening. Good evening We're to you. This doing is a weird a... time for us, right? I know. It's kind of exciting. I'll see if we'll get some rabble rousers at this time. Maybe. This is when all <laughs> the rabble rousers come out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> as a reminder, uh, if you want to support the channel, you can go to unsafespace.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And Carrie, why don't you describe what Deprogrammed is for those of uh, those viewers who oh. haven't seen Deprogrammed shows before? Yes. So if you're a new viewer, I know we have some new people lately uh, from Nerdrotic. Deprogrammed is a show where we kind of do more of a deep dive into my old belief system, which I most often call social justice ideology. That's probably, if you've heard of it, that's probably how you've heard of it. Um, and so we get to do long form interviews and I'm very excited about our special guest today. He's a gentleman I first saw, uh, interviewing our friend Samuel Say, who you guys might recognize from another, uh, deprogrammed interview that we got to do. Yeah. So, so today we get to talk to Chris Williams. Uh, Chris is also known as K-Dub. He's been a Christian for nearly 10 years and serves at his local church in Corpus Christi, Texas. He practices apologetics through discourse with Black Hebrew Israelites, Roman Catholics, Mormons, and others. And he's also a rap artist. He currently has two projects out, Face of the Deep 1 and 2, and has been happily married to his wife, Tonya Williams, for over five years. You can follow him online on Twitter at KDubTrue, that's K-D-U-B-T-R-U, and on YouTube, uh, same YouTube channel name, K-D-U-B-T-R-U, and we'll put the links to that stuff below. With that said, Chris, welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. Hey, grace and peace, guys. Thank you guys for having me. What a what a pleasure and honor it is for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing with you guys, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Chris, I noticed you have a sign behind you that's like Carter signed, and now I feel envious that I'm the <laughs> only person without one. <laughs> that's what right, does yours yeah. say? What does that say? It says sole deo gloria. It's a Latin phrase from the Reformation meaning to the glory of God alone. And so that's what it means. I love <laughs> it. Mine today is less cool, but it says Wakanda, which I uh, appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> man, hey, that's pretty cool, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, on this show, as I said, we usually talk about my old belief system, social justice, and uh, I was really intrigued by the conversation that you had with Samuel Say, mm. and I was wondering if you could start just by telling um, any of our viewers a little bit about yourself and your background. And this is a this is a question I like to ask everyone about social justice. Is sometimes I think of it like a zombie movie, and uh, my favorite part of a zombie movie is when people start to figure out that there's something crazy going on, <laughs> and so I always like to hear the stories from people similarly, like when was the first time you came into contact with social justice or started to realize what it was? Right. So that's a lot to ask in the opening yeah. question, but yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so man, um, I'm Chris Williams. Um, a lot of people call me K-Dub uh, just because of uh, doing rap and music and all that um, for a while. Man, my, my, my background growing up is completely different from, from what it is now. Um, 
I would I would argue some some may not see this difference, but I, I kind of grew up in a very a I grew up in a religious home, um, but in a very word of faith, charismatic TBN preacher, like uh, the stuff you see on TV is kind of like what I grew up with, like the like the Joel Osteen kind of stuff. And I, I'm definitely far removed from from that. You know, I, I would I label myself as reformed following in the reformed tradition, Calvinistic tradition. Now um, it's what I hold to now. Um to answer your question about the social justice, man, when I first encountered it, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of two, two uh, areas. I, I believe that I grew up, I think black people generally grew up kind of um, being influenced by the, so, by a lot of social justice ideology, just from the start, from the, from their, from the womb. Um, one, you're growing up, a lot of black people grow up in single, single mother homes, uh, single parent homes. And so they're being uh, grew up in, a, in an ideology that states that, um, you know, they're victims, um, you know, the white man's out to get them, so to speak. And so I grew up in a lot of that, though it wasn't explicitly taught to me, that it, it was kind of taught uh, subliminally to me. But the first time I could like put my finger on it was um, probably be about six to seven years ago when I just started seeing you know, a lot of people post videos of unarmed black men, supposedly on some of these, being um, attacked from their perspective. And not only, you know, were they sharing these videos, but they were commentating on that. See, this is the plight of the black man in America. We're, we're the lowest of the low we get. We're, we're getting treat, treated like this. Um, and, you know, thus I started hearing a lot of social justice conversations about, um, uh, you know, from my perspective, it entering and infiltrating into Christianity, into churches. And that's kind of where I started kind of getting my concern um, early on. So, yeah, that's just kind of the brief. I, 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 I moved from Dallas actually recently, about six months ago. I actually lived in the Dallas area. And so I was there when um, the Black Lives Matter event happened. Um, and then I watched wow. a lot. I watched it live when the, the 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 guy started shooting up around the college area around there and so man it, it I felt like a lot of this stuff exploded out of nowhere you know and then that forced me to start like reading a lot of stuff to say oh wow this stuff has a paper trail you know this this stuff actually mm -hmm. has ideology behind it you know uh and we can get more into that but um but yeah that's kind of like my first like encounter with it really right you know I'm just I'm kind of a a recent or new Christian, and I didn't. I'm recently familiar with Joel Osteen, who you mentioned before. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I just started learning about. I actually from some of our interviews actually about the prosperity gospel. Right. And um, there have been a couple people we talked to who helped draw the draw the connections for me between, um, in some ways the prosperity gospels may be being like a perversion of God's word in the right. same way that I think social justice ideology is. Mm, Would you yeah. agree with that? When like Joel Osteen is not someone that I, I don't think I have a lot of respect for him. Right. I guess I'd put wait, it that wait, way. Wait. Yeah, no. Can I interrupt yeah, for totally. a quick second as the atheist? Yeah. Can you Absolutely. describe who the hell Joel Osteen is and what his gospel is about? Yeah. I don't know Joel, who you're Joel talking Osteen. about. 
Man, funny enough, a lot of people who aren't even Christians know about Joel Osteen. I'm not trying to put you down. I, oh, I know sorry. that's not the lane. Or, no, no, no. <laughs> I've I'm not, heard the I'm name. I just don't know down. what he believes specifically that's yeah. different from other people. He's a, a TVN preacher, a TV preacher um, who, who really gets a lot of his claim from um, a lot of positive message, quote unquote. A lot of, um, I, I, I would argue that a lot of his a lot of people that even attend his church aren't even Christian from the sect, but I think they're, I think he's even admitted that um, people who are atheists because they love his, what I call the, you know, the, the fortune cookie message he has. It's, you know, it's a lot of the stuff he says kind of sounds like you would be reading a fortune cookie <laughs> rather than the Bible, you know? So and he's so, like the Tony Robbins of Christianity. Is that his thing? Yeah. You know, okay. you know, God love, you know, it's just very soft-spoken voice. And it's hard not to, to like just from like, a personality standpoint, you know, uh, he's very, he has very great charisma. And so, but he preaches what's known as the prosperity gospel that, you know, um, you know, that God, you know, desires to bless all his children financially, you know, um, if, 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 and if you're not, um, financially, you know, blessed, then it's due to a lack of faith. Now, historically you deal with, you know, you kind of, you kind of get to this issue of, <laughs> it, very, it very much is, and so you know they had their proof text to try to try to demonstrate them, d- demonstrate their their theology. But I, I I believe that it's often not cohesive with all of the texts of scripture. Um, secondly, it's historically lacking because historically um, many Christians were persecuted, especially in the early church. The first three hundred years of the church, the, the Christians were being persecuted. So you you turn at the you turn to Joel Osteen's theology there, and you say, hey, Joel, uh, why weren't these Christians financially blessed? Was it because of lack of faith? And I, I think his argument would have to be yes, but you know, there's, there's a lot else wrong yeah. with uh, prosperity theology. But that's kind of like the summarization of it. <laughs> and would you would you say that uh, being someone who's sort of new to Christianity, I'm trying to figure out, um, I don't know, just the landscape. Mm. Would it would you say it's accurate to say that maybe prosperity gospel was the most popular kind of uh, twisting of the faith until recently in the past few years? I, I would almost say social justice Christianity is now the most popular re- twisting of the faith. Oh, or I'm putting where no, no, absolutely. Um, five, six, seven years ago, everybody that was a Christian who stood for orthodoxy was was going against a lot of the TBN preachers. Fun, man, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's almost as if when the social justice stuff came along, people forgot about the uh, TBN preachers and, you know, um, the, the prosperity gospel as if, man, it, they, they've kind of gotten a break because no one's addressing them really right now <laughs> because everybody's, you know, addressing either, you know, social justice issues. And so, no, mm-hmm. I, I think you're spot on with that analysis that um, it has because I do, I do believe that social justice is unbiblical in the same way the prosperity gospel is. It has replaced it as far as its popularity. Um, many people who were arguing against uh, prosperity gospel years ago are actually preaching social justice messages now. You know, and so, man, it's it's infiltrated. Oh, in, that's interesting. It's yeah, it's infiltrated in seminaries. It's infiltrated in. I mean, I was just talking about this last night with a friend. Um, it's infiltrated in people that were well-respected, that were, um, you know, 
you know, you you went to their sermons, you went to their, you know, their statements, their articles, their books, because you appreciated how they handled the Bible. You know, it wasn't just being willy nilly with it, so to speak, but we're taking it serious. And now these are the some of the same people that are actually turning around and abandoning kind of um, the same hermeneutic they once used. So I, I, I think you're spot on with that. So when you say that it's unbiblical social justice yeah. ideology, what mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? What's an example? That's a great question. So um, I believe how they handle the text primarily is uh, not not deriving contextually. So now they'll have their proof text, but I, I, I think there's a lot of um, ideology woven into text they even uh, quote. Let me give you an example. So the Bible says to love your neighbor. This is a clear text that every Christian would agree with. Uh, I, I don't, I've never made a Christian saying don't love your neighbor, right? Now, what they define that as is oftentimes, I, I, I'll see that passage used often in the context of like reparations. Now, I, I don't believe reparations is biblical. Now, they'll say, love your neighbor. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't God want you, want, um, you know, well, so they argue from the framework of blacks have been historically mistreated in America. Um, so love your neighbor, right? Doesn't that mean justice for blacks? So it's a whole bunch of conclusions that you're wanting to get you to. And they haven't even exegeted the text. They haven't derived from the context of that this passage is actually speaking about reparations. And so I've, I've, I've been one and, and many others, they've redefined things like, like justice, um, they've redefined things like repentance or, or, or sin, you know, from a Christian perspective. Um, you know, historically, it's, it's, these are new concepts. They redefine racism. Um, you know, racism, you know, historically has meant hatred for another person. But now they have the, you know, interwoven secular ideology to now it has to do with power and privilege. Um, you go in the Bible, you, ha- you, you, see, you see none of that being talked about. And so this is why they have to assume their conclusion. And so, um, yeah, this is why I believe that it's unbiblical and, and Christians should definitely, um, um, you know, reject this ideology for sure. So can we uh, just, can we s- s- steel man the social justice biblical argument for just a moment? Like what, what specifically are their strongest, like if you were going to go out as a social justice Christian, I don't know, that might be an oxymoron, but if you're going to go out and, and do that, what what's their strongest argument that they convince people on and that they point to in the Bible and say, look, this is this is proof, this is why social justice is, is biblical? Man, wow. Um, I, 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 so right, I, man, I think that's tough because I think social justice arguments prey on ignorance of the biblical text. Hmm. Um, because if you're not familiar with context, if you're not familiar with the passage, um, if you're you, if you're just not familiar with what is going on contextually, I can isolate a verse to make you think it's talking about whatever I think it's talking about. So oftentimes they'll go to a a, a passage of scripture, Luke 19, where Zacchaeus, um, you know, this is how they like generally prove like reparations for blacks, those who have been oppressed. Luke 19, um, Zacchaeus has defraud. He's a tax collector. So right. He, in, in that time, tax collectors, you know, they were oppressed. They oppressing people. They were, they were, they were, um, stealing, they were overtaxing the people, um, in the, uh, Greco-Roman culture. 
And so they'll go to a passage right there where Zacchaeus, what he does to show how he's repentant is he gives his money away that he that he t- overtaxed people. And not only did he give it away, he gave a four, uh, fourfold, meaning he gave four times over what he defrauded people to show, hey, look, I have wronged you. Mm-hmm. Now, see, they'll go to passages like that and see, see, if you have wronged someone, you should pay pay people. So they'll go like, so America has wronged black people. Therefore, America needs to pay black people. Well, the problem is, <laughs> you know, Zacchae- Zacchaeus, actually defrauded people it was he defrauded people it wasn't his um great great grandfather that defrauded right he he's the actual one that wronged the people and he's actually responsible for paying for his wrongs not for centuries before them and so that's just one example how i feel i believe that they um twist the text just to um already get to their conclusion yeah this it's almost like what we expect right sorry carrie go ahead oh yeah for no sure. i just I, it's almost like they, one of the biggest contradictions I see between social justice and the gospel is that um, I view the, I view the gospel, I view the word as, as being about, it's being written to an individual. Um, You're, you're receiving the word as an individual, not as a member of uh, like your sex group or your racial group, or it's, it's being written to you and you're, your sin is personal mm. and your your relationship with God is personal and your repentance is personal and all and and so one of the biggest contradictions I see is that they they uh, that that social justice is collectivist right and do the, do you know of any because uh, I'm not familiar with this do you know of any parts of the text that they tried to point to to say yeah. that Jesus was collectivist? Yeah, so um, collectivism is true in one sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, we, we so Christianity is not just an individualistic religion, right? We are we are called to to be with one another, right? Um, and right. so, and so, this is where they actually, um, but that's not that's not to say there isn't personal personal um, aspects of the faith. So it's 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 both and not either or, and so what they want to prove their ideology like of white guilt, right? Uh, white guilt says that, yeah, you might not had a, you might not have been personally a racist, you might not have personally enslaved black people, but you as a community of white people have, and so they'll go to passages where communal sin has taken place. So they'll go to passages like Deuteronomy, where it talks about the idolatry of the Israelites. But again, notice what they do with passages like that, which what which what they, they have done with uh, Zacchaeus. Now, um, com- community sin always deals with the generation, not with generations before them in which they kind of get this guilt imputed or inherited to them. Um and so I, I really think they struggle with those ideas and, and, and cause mismatch of the text. You know, um, you know, how can you repent of a sin you've never committed? Um, you know, and so I, I really get to, I, I think it really gets into something you brought up, uh, Carrie, uh, gospel issue um, stuff, you know, where and, and I think it causes division in the church. I, I couldn't imagine. I, I told it, man. I, I think the social justice people would really hate me if I was white because one, I don't, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care. You know, uh, I'm not. I would not be 
falling around with white guilt. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think they beguile a lot of white people who are, um, get caught up in a lot of emotional arguments. Um, you know, I mean, because I think, man, I think it's emotional. Beguile. That's a yeah. great word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they beguile a lot of white people to feel guilty for what their quote unquote ancestors have done, which historically not every white person can ha- have ties back to uh like slave masters that's that's not even true historically not not every white person it's it's not like every white person was a slave master that's that's kind of ridiculous and you know and so i think to make white people feel guilty for 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 something they did not do is sad it's 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 disgusting as well you know um and so yeah th- there could be much more to be said about that but you know, if 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 you didn't do nothing wrong to me, I have no reason to 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 make you feel guilty for being white or, you know, make you feel like you're a racist if you haven't demonstrated racism towards me. So you're you're well, isn't sorry, you're pointing out. I just want to tease this out. You're pointing out that there was like collective punishment maybe for the Israelites um, for their idolatry, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know they wandered the desert for forty years and it was that generation that died off. But as soon as that generation was right. died off suddenly the new generation wasn't punished anymore and the new generation it, kind of started anew is that is that kind of what you're saying in terms of no, the generation? That, that's yeah that that's spot on um right on with seeing that um another view that i, I think is troubling is we have to recognize that israel was not just only israelites um but it was made up of a co- collective community of of all other nations that joined themselves to 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 Israel. And so th- that's kind of the issue I see with um, a lot of the social justice in the Christian circles is they want to kind of make Israel be kind of categorically stand for black people, um, right? Because Israel was the oppressed, it was the marginalized, it was the small, one of the smallest of the nations. And so they want to make Israel stand in the gap for black people. But Israel actually existed as a collective community of, of a multitude of nations inside of it that could join freely if they would if they wanted to do the customs of Israel. Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't just an one ethnic people group. Um, and so that's why I think it actually struggles categorically with a lot of the themes of scripture. And it's and it's not a one to one correlation. I think a lot of them would have to admit. And so um, that, that, that's that's kind of the struggles I see. And diving into the biblical text uh, with that. It's interesting to me that you you just said a second ago that if you were white, you think they would really hate you, <laughs> because I always assume that if you are a black person, mm. um, that that or it, it's it it varies to different degrees, but it's, right. it, based on what marginalized so marginalized group you're in, yeah. but especially for black people. If you're not speaking the ideology, I've always assumed that you're almost more hated mm-hmm. because because you're not uh, like just by virtue of, of not agreeing with the belief system, you you are violating one of their their <laughs> tenets of belief. Yeah, which is that which is that all it seems to be that like all black people have the same opinion and agree with this belief system. Right. So, what has your experience been? pushing back against woke ideology in the church? And and do you think that um, it would have been any different if you were white? Wow. 
Man, that's a great question. Uh, so let me address the first. So I think it's been twofold. I, I think so. Let me let me give the positive before I give the negative. So okay. a lot of people, man, I, I, I get tons of messages now, man, just saying thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I felt like this for many years, didn't know how to express myself, thought I was the only one. And so in one sense, I've been so encouraged that um, people have been encouraged by listening to little old me, I feel like, you know, just having a <laughs> voice speaking out against some of these issues. So so that's the positive. On the other hand, uh, it's been a negative because, you know, um, you know, when I made the song Wakanda, uh, it was it was pretty controversial because um, that was the first time I actually had been called a white supremacist. And so, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I, you know, uh, and I can explain the context of that song. But, um, yeah, I, I was I was called a white supremacist. I was called um, Uncle Uncle Tom. You know, that's the that, you know, Coon, all these derogatory uh, names for black people, as, as what you said, who don't step in, li- in, in the line of this ideology, because for a lot of people, a lot of people on the left, a lot of uh, people who, who promote things like critical race theory, being black is not, um, you know, about your, your skin color, your culture, your, but, but it's actually about what you believe. Um, yes. This is why Joe Biden could say, if you don't vote for me, right, if, if you're not in line with the things I'm saying, then you're not really black, you know. And a lot of social justice people believe the very thing that Joe Biden is saying, that, that he said. And which I just find remarkable because the black community, any any community, any ethnic group is not monolithic. There's there's various, um, you know, cultural backgrounds amongst any um, people group, people, uh, ethnic person you meet. And so I, I think it's kind of crazy that for some reason it's like that in the black community that I don't see like white people saying, man, you're not white. I, I don't know why that exists primarily in the black community like that. But, you know, um, to piggyback off the other question you asked, if I was if I was white, like, how do I think it would change? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, cancel season, right? That's the season we're in. Like, man, if 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 you're white and if you're not actually um, promoting yourselves to um, the injustices of unquote unquote uh, black people, Man, you're canceled if if you know you say one thing wrong, you're, you're canceled. And, and don't get me wrong, that happens for black people too. But I just think that it's almost like uh, you know, black people can rebound from getting canceled because they're not racist, right? They can't be racist in their out in that ideology in that ideology. But white people never can rebound from right. it, you know, because they, they'll always be racist. So <laughs> you know, but I always think it's strange when you know. White people call me, uh, you know, Uncle Tom or a sellout, because if critical race theory is true and they're racist and, you know, we need to listen to black voices and experience, why, why don't you want to listen to mine? You know, mm-hmm. why, why, why don't you want a conservative voice on, on politics, on, on, you know, some of these issues? But it's like you only want you only want, um, you know black voice if it already agrees with what you're already promoting yes. you know so so it's you don't you don't actually want diversity you know you want monolithic thought and to that point yes you're exactly right they also don't mind white people speaking when white people are speaking the ideology too right they they only ever say sit down and shut up and listen to black voices 
uh, to a white person if the white person is disagreeing. It's very interesting. It's like the, what what it's, it goes back to uh, by what's the Bible verse the by your fruits you shall know them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what they say they say one thing mm-hmm. but they behave a different way. So and, true. Because look look at right right fragility. If actually Robin D'Angelo believes what she claims, she shouldn't have wrote the book. Mm-hmm. You know, she should have gave it. She or she should have gave the idea to a black person, right? Like, you know. Last thing we need is, you know, white people speaking for black people. You know, I, now, I don't I don't agree with her ideology. And, you know, she has the freedom to write whatever she wants. But from her perspective, I, I think it's actually uh, devastating to, to what she claims she believes. And, and, you know, man, one of the things I'm actually encouraged when I deal with this conversation, I don't think people from that side can actually be consistent, you know, um, with how they actually live their life. That's man. That's what. That's why I'm encouraged that, um, man. It you know that we need more voices speaking out. I, I tell white people all the time. I tell black people all the time. Speak out against this because you being silent actually gives this more of an opportunity to spread. You know, it's it's like a virus. You, you need to actually address the virus and needs to be killed. Um, you know, you're speaking about the ideology, not the people that promote the ideology. Right. But uh, it, it needs to be attacked. And, you know, that's why, man, I, I've tried to recently be even more strong because I was in a place years ago where I was doing a lot of apologetics with a lot of uh, Hebrew Israelites. And that now the people who do a lot of apologetics to that community are primarily black and they're woke. And I recently got kicked out of like the apologetics, urban apologetics community because I wasn't stepping in line with a lot of their stuff on this. But I knew years ago if I did that, that's what would happen. So I was quiet. Yes. Because, because I didn't want to feel this. I didn't want to be, you know, disenfranchised, so to speak. I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to lose a lot of the traction that I was uh, growing with, with a lot of uh, people I respected. But at some point, we have to say, who cares? <laughs> you know, who cares what happens to, man, if they shut me down, who cares? You know, just, hey, preach the truth. <laughs> I, that completely resonates with me, that fear, because, yeah, yeah, when I was in the, and I was in the woke religion for two decades, mm, and wow. when I, I would watch mobbings happen online of certain people, and I would stay quiet out of that fear. Yeah. Um, but that was when I that was also when I I supported I still supported the ideology overall. I just wouldn't agree with like a like a mobbing. Um, but then when I started leaving the belief system, it took me quite a while, Chris, to start to speak because yeah. I was afraid for like a good half a year at least. Yeah. Um, once my beliefs started changing. But you're right. Speak the truth. Who cares? Yeah. It's like yeah. we have to get to that point of saying it. it I think. Well. Maybe maybe there's a, a different argument I would give someone who's not a Christian. But for a Christian, I would say um, it's just that matter of trust. Like, do the right. thing that scares you, but that you're called to do. Or, right. that, you know, if you're called to speak the truth or, or find the truth, like, you, that's one of those questions of, that's one of those questions of trust. Right. And Absolutely. Every time I've done that, every time I've done the thing that really scares me, on the other side of it, it makes sense mm. and it's good, but mm. like going into it, you can't see that. Yeah. You can't see what the other side is. It's like, right. You know, 
right? Yeah, because, like, yeah. you know, we, we just don't know, like, what the future beholds. And so it, that, that there's a fear for everybody on, on the sense of that future, you know, the future of what, what's to come if I speak out. Will will they still like me? Will they still respect me? Will they will they listen to my music still? Will they, you know, will they want to hang out, you know? So, but like you said, you, you just got to speak the truth, you know? You know, yeah. do it, do it, do it in love, you know? <laughs> I just want to bring something up. Someone in, in chat says this ideology wants division in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can destroy it. So, um, mm. and and I think that kind of I want to get your thoughts on that and and how it relates to um, a couple other things that you said. You talked about the hypocrisy of someone like Robin D'Angelo writing White Fragility if she actually believes the things that she says. Right. And you talked yeah. about how they can maybe rely on ignorance of the Bible to use to cherry pick uh, out of mm-hmm. context Bible verses to, to to buttress their arguments. And I think something that. You know, when I step back and look at this, I, I, I think a lot of people can't possibly believe that there are people in the world who use words as something other than a way to refer to things in reality and to ideas, right. but who use words solely to manipulate for uh, some other end. And once, once you, for me, once I started thinking about that as the, as the modus operandi of the social justice community, a lot of things started to make sense because hypocrisy is irrelevant at that point. And whether mm. the Bible actually means that is irrelevant because words are wow. simply tools. And I want to get yeah. your thoughts on this. I, I, I think that's so true. Uh, you know, we were talking about the comparison between the prosperity gospel and, and social justice. Um, the reason why, and, and I think they're popular for the same, for, for, for the same reason. And, and so, I try to be careful with assuming people's intentions and motives, though. I, I always tell people, I don't really care about your intentions and motives. What you're saying is wrong. Why you intend, why why you intend what you tend intend? I I I I'm not the judge of that. You you know, God knows your heart. Um, but what you're preaching is wrong. And so, the prosperity gospel feeds on this this idea. People want to be rich. People are greedy. So guess what? If I constantly tell you. You can be rich. All you need to do is sow this seed of two hundred dollars. You know, I, guess what? That benefits me. And guess what? <laughs> it it benefits you in one sense because now you have this idea of hope, of of you know, hope. You know, um, you have this uh, you know, someone promising the very thing you want. What now? Uh, critical race theory, social justice, kind of has a similar idea. I could get as wealthy as a lot of the TVN preachers because I can feed off a lot of people's one ignorance. I can feed off a lot of people's, um, you know, uh, desires. You know, I, I, I told a friend this the other day, I can go right now on a stage, give this sad story about slavery, point to pictures, uh, point to, uh, you know, you know, quote famous men in history about the immorals of slavery and get a whole bunch of people to donate to me right now. I mean, it's it's not that hard, you know. And so I think a lot of people crave the prosperity gospel in woke in social justice. They a lot of people want money, and it's and it's evident. It's evident with the shift in a lot of Christian teachers because six seven years ago, none of these guys were teaching it. So what changed? The culture did. Right. And the problem with a lot of Christians is they want to be just like the culture so yes. bad. I find this so, so I do music. I find, I do Christian rap and 
anything that that comes on the radio, guarantee in two months every Christian routers will be doing it. Why? Because it does it okay, you can say, well, because it sounds good. Okay, you know what? That's that's debatable. But <laughs> they see it's working in the world and they want to yes. do it. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a tendency for for Christians to do everything that the world is doing for pragmatic reasons. You know, it's working. People are coming. People are showing up. Well, we got to do it, too. You know, uh, this is why, you know, I, I kind of laugh at this idea of youth groups. It, it happens a lot because pragmatism reigns in a, in a lot of youth groups. You know, um, we, we bring them in with with uh, all the songs that's playing on the radio, edit it. Right. We edit it out. <laughs> you know, we bring the pizza. We got the fog machine. And guess what? We're going to we're going to make them come by fun and then wonder why in when they go to off to college, they've abandoned everything they've claimed to believe and profess. And so, um, yeah, I think social justice kind of has a similar um, strategy. Uh, like I said, whether it's intentionally or not, I, th- I think it uh, kind of operates the same as a prosperity gospel. So I think, I think you're that? right. Yeah. Right. I, well, I was just going to say that it, what you're talking about of, of being led by the culture is something that I've started to observe with, I, I with, with Christians who are preaching the woke doctrine is, and, and from what I've come to understand as a Christian is, is that, is that the church is supposed to be opposed to what's happening. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world or in culture. Right. And there's nothing wrong with being hated by the world Yeah. or, you know, being counterculture. Um, and so I find that very, strange and it makes me think of the uh was it an aristotle quote i can't remember there's a quote about you know if you're if you're if what you're saying if your words don't offend someone then you're not really saying anything at all Mm. and especially for christians and for preachers i think there's this um cultural desire to be accepted and whether that's what you're talking about like prosperity to get money or to get fame and to be liked by the world um, I think you're really off course if that's what your goal is. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, uh, I was just going to ask, like, along those lines, I mean, I think Carrie and I have also kind of discussed this idea that the church is not immune to cultural influence, obviously, and and, right. and gets dragged along with culture. But, mm-hmm. you know, one of, the, one of the things that presumably makes the church an institution that survives uh, is there there must be some sort of there must be something there that doesn't just sway with the wind when, when mm. culture changes, but that is mm. lasting and stands for something. And, you know, I don't have the answer to this, and I'm not expecting you to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, I mean, what do you do in a community with a set of beliefs to to really withstand the enormous cultural pressure to conform to behavior that doesn't comport with the, the belief system? So I think it's, uh, man, I think that's an excellent question. I, I, I think it's twofold. So in one sense, so I, I, so, the, so the number one thing I would say is proclaim the truth. Proclaim that is which is true, um, regardless of how we feel. That's kind of like what we're talking about. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of what the culture proclaims, we are to proclaim what is true. Number two, and I think it's something, one, a lot of Christians struggle with, and a, two, a lot of Christians don't like doing we don't like to expose error because guess what? It makes me look mean. It makes me look unloving. 
it makes me look like, you know, um, whatever, you know, the big bad, you know, I, you know, you're just always seeing things wrong in the church, you know, or in the culture, you know, but it has to be twofold. If you love the truth, you have to hate error. You have to hate lies. And so um, it, it's, 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 it's not like, so I hate death. I love, I love life. Therefore, I, I hate death. I hate anything that which which causes for the unjust murder. Um, that's why I hate abortion. It's why I hate uh, people just going out, you know, killing random killings, uh, unjustifiable murders. Um, so, so this idea of love actually encompasses an idea of hate as well. Um, that which you love, you will hate the opposite. That which uh, attacks it. And so, because I love the truth, I gotta call out error, you know. And so. That's what I would proclaim to people who are, are, you know, you know, they see it, man, a lot of Christians being swayed by the culture to answer your question, man, love the truth. So pre preach it and preach against the error, preach against that, which is not according to what God has said, you know, mm -hmm. I, I really like that you are pointing out the inherent duality in love and hate, because I think too many people use, they throw the word love around as if it's this, right panacea that fixes everything and like right. oh just love everything you shouldn't have any hate and <laughs> right. uh, you know if you don't hate anything it means you don't feel anything which means you can't actually right. love anything either there are opposites Absolutely. in the world um, right and that's so I, true you know the other thing that struck me about what you said is when I, you know you made me think of the catholic church i realize you're not catholic but right. um you know one of the things i think that that really angered a lot of people catholic and non-catholic with respect to the pedophilia uh, problem in the Catholic Church wasn't that there were some priests who did some things and like we know that people do bad things in the world. Like I think that right. that could be while abhorrent, I don't think that would cause massive rejection of the institution. But what was disgusting about the most one of the most disgusting things, and I think one of the most repulsive things to many people was not admitting the errors, hiding mm. it, pretending right. that this wasn't right. happening, operating by a different set of rules. Um, and what you're saying, I think, is that that kind of uh, knee-jerk reaction to hide your sin and hide your errors actually undermines mm. your credibility long-term. Right. Oh, uh, mouth, but. No, totally agree, man. That's, that's spot on. Spot on with that. Also, Man, you, you, you made me think of something when you just said that. You have a lot of, like, so I would argue that critical race theory, social justice, critical race theory, uh, Marxism is, is being heavily infiltrated in the church at a, at a strong pace right now. But what a lot, you, you're talking about hiding, hiding error, hiding sin. And it made me think about, you have a lot of Christians who are actually promoting the ideas of Marxism and, and um, critical race theory but really hiding that idea, um, you know, so, so like, I'll give you an example. So um, a denial of, of the Trinity, there's different forms of denial of the Trinity. So some, it, but usually it's under the other form of like modalistic or Unitarian. But now if I call someone that they know, it, well, if they're preaching that and I call them that, they know, well, that's going to get me called a heretic. And so I think a similar kind of thing has been going on in the Christian circle. Um, 
where a lot of people don't want to get called critical race theory or Marxism because they know a lot of people oppose that. So now they're just called they're 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 reframing it as well. We're just preaching social justice, you know. We're just preaching, you know. So if if Marxism is social justice, then call me a Marxist. So they're trying to re re kind of program how people even think of Marxism. One. And uh, really deny that they are teaching Marxism, which I, I think is a, a problem in and of itself, um, that a lot of people, a lot of these teachers, a lot of influential people are not being uh, completely honest with, um, with, 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 with what they're teaching, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I agree. That, and I think... Go ahead. Go ahead, Carrie. I was going to say, I think it's also one of the problems is that a lot of the people who are receiving the woke gospel, uh, whether through their church or in the secular world, they're not, they don't have a good enough understanding of what Marxism is to be able to recognize right. it. And mm-hmm. so when I was indoctrinated, for example, you know, I went out and I proselytized the social justice word and right. I had no idea that what I was preaching was a form, like a, a, a mutated kind of Marxism. Right. I thought it was this new thing. It's social justice. You know, it, sometimes I called it feminism. Right. Uh, sometimes I called it critical race theory. But it was never, you know, it didn't occur to me because I didn't have a, a, a good understanding of history and of Marxism mm. itself to even understand what it was that I was pushing. Yeah, totally. Um, I have a I have a question for you, not to switch gears too abruptly, no, but I love I love your Wakanda music video <laughs> and. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you have to go to Chris's YouTube channel. It's K-Dub yes. Truth. We, we linked it in the bottom. Um, I'm wondering, Carter, can we play a clip from it, or is that too much to do in the live uh, stream? Uh, I, I can try, but you'll have to you talk to yourselves okay. while I crawl I'm under the desk while and you fix try a table that <laughs> So okay. you talk amongst <laughs> yourselves for a moment, and I will try and do that. All right. Well, because I have a question about it before we watch it. So right. I I was shocked to hear a song, a, a rap song, where you've got lyrics that include the phrase critical race theory. And you've got, right. I mean, you go, you go heavy in this song. Like, you go really <laughs> deep in this song. Um, yeah. When did you first start uh, making, I guess, music that addressed some of these issues? And what do you think it is about music? What kind of message can you get across in music that might be harder to get people mm. to listen to in spoken or written word or why music as a medium wow yeah so that actually was the um i believe that was the first that was the first song i've addressed social justice issues in and I, it's it's the only one i have but i definitely want you know what i take that back i take that back i don't know if you know who kyle james howard is but um he's a uh, popular christian theologian and he made the kind of um, the challenge one day that, you know, he's like, man, I wish Christians would kind of interact in this kind of rap battle um, like they used to, do, you know, that, that used to settle things back in the day. You know, like people used to like either like street, like <laughs> dance, you know, and so yeah. he, he kind of offered up this challenge and I took it on. I'll have to send that to you guys. But oh, uh, my goodness. You should. You know why? I just looked him up to make sure. Yeah. Kyle James Howard is one of several woke preachers who yeah. I get into it with on Twitter once in a yeah. while. And I yeah. know he doesn't like me, but I yeah. do like some of his posts. I just don't yeah. like his woke stuff. I would love to see that. <laughs> All right. I'll send that to you guys. Because okay. uh, I, we had a little rap battle and it was like, I thought That's that awesome. was cool. 
but but it ended up having a little exchange and we ended up emailing and I was like, hey, because he ended up was going to be in Dallas, and I and I, I said, hey, let's let's meet up, man. I, I would love to have a cordial conversation, and, and it, I, I'm not going to get into detail because uh, it, it's it's personal, and so right. I don't want to release a lot of that information. But it ended up not happening um, for various reasons. But you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a song about this stuff, and so. Man, I just wrote that song. It probably took a day to write that. It probably it probably took like twenty minutes to write that song, and <laughs> it it just came out. It just came out, and uh, I, I I enjoyed it. Uh, so what what I I think music is is so captivating um, to people because, man, you can do so many great things that that. So I think you can pull on the heartstrings of people. Not that that's our primary goal, but I do think there is something captivating about truth when it's when it's right and it should tug on your heart you know to so to speak it should make you emotional truth and so um i find it i find it um so amazing when people can break down complex issues and put them in a song um and so i've been a fan of that kind of music i'm a big fan for lyrics and if, if you can impress me lyrically um i can get over a lot of stuff bad in a song but Something about lyrics that just, I don't know, man, it just, it just gets you like, oh, wow, that was amazing. How did he think of, how did he do, you know, I love that kind of stuff. And so, man, when you can break down complex issues like that in music, I, I just think it's great. And um, yeah, I just think it's weighty that sometimes a normal conversation with language just like this just, just doesn't do it for a lot of people. You know, they, they just like, ah, you know, but, but hearing someone rap about an idea can be like, it can cause them to be like, man, I'll look more into what you're saying. You know, yeah. I, I don't agree, but I'll look more into it. You know, you know that makes me think of a, a, a sermon I heard recently from my preacher gave. And he was talking at one point about uh, the Psalms and how they were, or as Joe Biden would say, the Psalms. <laughs> the Psalms. <laughs> palms, the Psalms. About how they were, uh, their poems. They were hit and, and as beautiful as they are, he said, imagine hearing them in the original language and how it can change like it can change something if you're the translation you can't really and and i it just it got me to thinking about how um uh i think there's some kinds of truth or or there's like there's a door or a window that you can open in people sometimes through poetry or through art and that's just uh and and music has historically been a great tool to help people memorize um, hard things. Uh, that's that's how I've memorized a lot of complex doctrines in Christianity, a lot of things that may be difficult to explain. Man, music has done it for me. I'll, I'll write a whole song about something that's just complex, like the hypostatic union or something, a Christian <laughs> doctrine, you know, and and you know, and and now I'm like, wow, you know, it helps you memorize these. And so, man, it, it, music is great for that too. Hey, well, that the alphabet song—that's why we have it, right? That's how kids can remember <laughs> the alphabet because the alphabet song. Exactly. Um, exactly. You're you're making me. Uh, I do have the video queued up so we can play the video. But you're 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 reminding me of a conversation I had with um, Beverly, who's actually in in chat. Uh, she's on on the unsafe space team, and and uh, I was contending that lyrics have gotten because I also love lyrics by the way, and I was contending that lyrics have gotten, at least for pop music, have gotten uh, pretty mundane and trite 
uh, and and frivolous and that they Mm -hmm. used to be much better. But I'll be honest, I went back and listened to some music growing up, you know, from my era growing up, and a lot of that pop music was pretty bad as well. So I'm not 100% sure that I was right about that argument, but uh, that's my feeling anyway, is that things have gotten pretty bad. Um, Yeah. But... All right, let you, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of your your song if that's right. Let's do it. Cool. All right, here we go. It always means it's time to uh, expose and talk about critical race theory and being woke because it's been having me so weary. I used to have friends who I thought stood on the same foundation until I found out that they were just promoting segregation. We're mad at white people. Been reading too much. James Cone. James Cone. I read his book. It's heretical. So say no. Whiteness is evil. That's what I'm hearing lately. They won't define what it means. Yo, Google it. You lazy. My wife, she wasn't even born in the USA. But because of her skin tone, see, she be labeled racist. See, that's crazy. I'm fixing something else could be driving this. Ain't seeing in the Bible what else could be providing it. Cause I don't know one person who thinks it was cool for blacks to be enslaved. But that doesn't mean the answer is we should be getting paid. I'm okay with restitution, not modern day reparations. That can't be the answer for so-called racial reconciliation. White people today are guilty for what their fathers may have did. And you crazy you say it is because we are called to repent for sins we actually commit, not for the sins of others that we weren't actually alive then. So, yes, I'm a black man, but a Christ that's irrelevant. The Bible's my starting point, not my black experience. Christianity doesn't belong to any nation or ethnicity. If you're bound to CRT, Christ, show he can make it free. Critical race theory is just a theory. It only brings division in the church, and that is clearly seen. Christ tore these walls, but they I don't know how much you want. I don't want to. I don't want to usurp the entire video <laughs> but uh yeah uh i you jump right Man. into uh, right at the beginning restart yeah. with critical race theory right at the beginning um yeah so that that beginning clip is actually from a uh christian theologian uh female um i forget i forget her name is like really hard to pronounce so i uh, I forget how to say it, but you can hear it right there, right? Whiteness is wicked, right? She's just pronouncing yep. her 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 ideology of critical race theory, uh, and and this was at a Christian women's conference, I believe. Um, I think it actually was in Dallas, funny enough. But um, oh, I think I remember her, this one. Ukami, yeah. Ukami, mm-hmm. a gun, something like that. I can't remember. I can't, can't. I butcher her name, so yeah. sorry if I'm getting it wrong. I know I am, but yeah, that was it. Was at that conference, and she was railing on whiteness the whole time whiteness this whiteness is evil white people you got to understand you've been the most barbaric people in history and i, I would be like i would want a refund if i was at that conference if i was white i mean <laughs> you know i mean that's why you come here no 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 they're going there the white people that <laughs> to are paying that. to go to that conference <laughs> want to be wear hair shirts and be beaten and whipped and like told they're horrible it's man it's, that's what they're there for so oh <laughs> It's, it's it's disgusting man and so so i heard that clip and i was like yo i got it i'm gonna put this in the song you know because i think i had r- written the song and then i heard that and i was like i i just gotta put that in there you know and so i do encourage people to listen uh please check out that full song because man i i think it's a i think it's a great song and then artistically i really like the things that came out of that video why don't you yeah. talk a little bit about ephesians 2 13 through 18 or 17 or whatever that passage is because yes, that's yes. that's one of your, um, I don't want to say it's 
your main argument, it's an argument that you're using to counter this idea of um, division between races and um, and social justice ideology. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Um, so give a little background first. So the Church of Ephesus, Paul is writing to the Church of Ephesus um, to really to really glory in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before before he does that, he remi he reminds them of one of the great racial divides in human history. I would argue the greatest because it was very religious. It was very um, it was long. It was thousands of years. This hatred between Jew and Gentile, much longer than the than the black and white quote unquote uh, divide in America. And so, um, allow me to read if you guys don't mind. Uh, yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, verses. 11 I'll, I'll, I'll stop I won't go too long but it says uh, Ephesians 2 starting at verse 11 says therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by the, by what is called the circumcision so he's saying the Jews Gentiles um, which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you at one time separated from Christ that was the Gentiles alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once for all uh, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. So both of these parties, Jew and Gentile, are now one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And so this is the point that I'm making in, in the song Wakanda, which I would like to explain that title, by the way, too. But the song well, kind of deals with this issue. If God can can reconcile the greatest human divide in history, the greatest hostility between Jew and Gentile, surely he can do it for blacks and whites. And my argument is he has. He has that, that you know, that blacks and whites can live amongst one another, um, not in hatred. For one another, um, but in peace, not valuing black over white or white over black or or whatever ethnicity. It's it's that's not what it's about. But it's about uh, loving one another, um, you know. And so, uh, not in a. At this point in the show, there was a technical problem that interrupted the live stream. We are picking up after the live stream resumed. I can hear him. I can uh, hear you. He broke out. See me. Because yeah. my video is not working for some reason. But at least you guys can continue the conversation. I apologize. Uh, my computers just literally shut off. Uh, wow. So in the middle of what you're saying. So, Chris, <laughs> you were explaining Ephesians. Uh, you're explaining actually the meaning of your song. Yeah. Um, and you read some Ephesians. I'm just going to be in the background here. Since you guys can't see me, I'm going to be trying to futz with stuff. But you may have to be. Uh, I might be faceless for the rest of the show. So sorry about that. Nepal, no and you, and Chris, you were telling us about the title of your song, uh, Wakanda. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I feel like a lot of uh, arguments are being presented that that that's what a lot of like that people want segregation, and and so I wrote that song saying, well, no, that's not a good idea. Um, one because of these biblical passages, Christ has united us, uh, these two people, uh, you know arguing for Jew and Gentile symbolically at, you know, nations, all nations, tongue and tribe have been united if they are in Christ. Um, and so that was the kind of the heart of the song. 
and so yeah i wrote that and i i was uh i was i was i was pleased with with a lot of uh the feedback i got from that song and so pretty cool to get it played on, on you guys channel so i appreciate that <laughs> yeah one of the lyrics in the song and i'm i'm paraphrasing i can't remember it exactly but uh it, it, you made me think of it when you were talking about god breaking down these walls and mm. i think you had a line about you know jesus tore down these barriers they yeah. tore down these walls and then is it we're building up barriers yeah so it goes um critical race theory is just a theory it only brings the vision in the church and that is clearly seen christ tore these walls but they build a fence up making blacks and whites against us yes so, yeah um so my yeah i so that was like the hook of the song and so i believe critical race theory in attempting to point out the problems actually builds more division and embracing it you know because for the white person it caused you to always be perpetually viewed as a racist um you can't escape this racism um there's nothing really you can do it'll always be with you and as a black person, it always causes you to believe every white person you encounter is a racist which you would constantly have your wild your walls up uh if you truly believe this person that is a racist, um, you know, and so I, I think it, it creates uh, issues on both sides, um, mm -hmm. guilt from the one and then constant, you know, I don't really trust you from the other, mm -hmm. you know. What do you see going forward? We, we sometimes get asked uh, on our show by other people, like, how long do you think this wokeness is going to dominate culture? And I'm wondering, what do you think about where this belief system is going um, in the world at large and then in the church? Man. So I brought up earlier about it being a self-contradictory system. And so there's been there's throughout history, there's been um, ideologies that have been destructive that have lasted for a while, but they always end um, my I, 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 so I, I'm going to come from this from a positive, positive perspective okay. that because there's no way out, I think a lot of people will realize, hopefully sooner than later, um, that it's not a good idea um, for 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 everybody, not even just Christians. It's not a good idea. Um, and so I, I have hope. I have positive hope that because. Uh, this system is contradictory. It's it, it'll self implode on itself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Philosophically, it's it's a self imploding system that um, it, it can't bring peace. It doesn't bring joy. It's it's it almost reminds me of nihilism. Like, what's the point of even being a nihilist if nihilism is true? You know, like what's yeah. the point? <laughs> you know, like who cares? You know, like so so in that sense, I I, I think um, I, I try to remain hopeful. Um, I try to remain hopeful. It, it's hard at sometimes because it's like I, I even brought it up in the song. Um, it has destroyed friendships, um, deep friendships. Um, the person who really started really teaching me the Bible, the first person that started doing that, embraced this stuff like over two years ago. And sadly, we don't talk anymore. Um, you know, we met up like a year, year and a half ago, and that was the last time we've I've seen him. That's the last time I, I talked to him. And it was, it was, it, it's sad. That's so on a practical, personal level, that's why I'm so like strong about this issue because I think it destroys friendships. I believe it destroys marriages. Um, I couldn't imagine, you know, 
embracing this stuff as a as a white husband married to a black woman and constantly you know you're you're to lead shepherd your wife biblically but constantly always feeling like <laughs> you never can like you would always have to walk on eggshells because you don't want to say the wrong thing or set her off to have you viewed as a racist and so yeah. um I, I really think it destroys uh that which is healthy and fruitful for the christian and so man that's that's why i'm so strong on this and and by god's grace i'll continue um putting out content to encourage people with. Yeah. I think Carter, who's, uh, we can't see now because we had technical difficulties, but I think Carter. I'm mucking with tech stuff, but I'm here in the background. I think uh, Carter might agree with you that it is ultimately a self-destructive, self-imploding kind of ideology because of all the internal contradictions. Right. Am I getting that right, Carter? Is that, is that what you believe about it? Uh, yeah, but the problem is, so I do believe that it's ultimately self-contradictory, um, but the problem is that there can be a lot of damage done between the time, between now and the time when the contradictions implode. So sure. yeah. if you look at, uh, I mean, Marxism is inherently self-contradictory, but 100 million people were killed last century because mm. someone tried to implement it. So sure. a lot of sure. death and, and horrible stuff can happen. So just because it's self-contradictory uh, doesn't mean I think we should be complacent about it. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, no, we should be zealous and fervent uh, about opposing um, social justice. Uh, so I, I don't even like that term because um, I don't believe it's social justice. Uh, I, I believe it actually um, makes injustice. And so I, I think we should be um, very uh, concerned about it, for one, but then very um, zealous in how we approach opposing it, not just standing, not just standing around like that was just said. We, we need to be, hey, I, I want it to end if I want it to end now, you know, yeah. I, I want it to end now, just like I want, I want abortion to end now. And so I, I, I try to do what I can as one person uh, to raise awareness and to raise uh, opposition against it. Yeah. So um, we like usually like to end on a positive note, and we just did a, a, a Thanksgiving Day episode recently where we l- named some things that we're grateful for. So we were talking about how even if you're not a Christian, you know, there's these studies that say neuroscientists who say, you know, if you n- the act of naming things that you're grateful for actually makes you more grateful. And so what are three things that you are grateful for? Let's end oh, with that. And yeah. uh, what are three things that you are looking forward to that you haven't maybe things you haven't done yet that you would like to do or that you're working on or planning for? Wow. Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> uh, so what I'm thankful for one, I'm thankful for um, man. Uh, I'm thankful for for the Lord. Um, I you know, I would not be where I am without without his guidance, without his wisdom. And so first and foremost, credit to where it's due, uh, the Lord. Um, two, um, I'm thankful for my wife. Uh, she is a great encouragement to me. Um, thankful to have her coming up on six years in April. So I'm, I'm thankful for 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 her love. Yeah, yeah. Her love, her patience towards towards me, a, you know, have many faults, but she she the Bible says love co- covers a multitude of sin and I've seen her uh be patient with me and so very thankful for her. Uh three I am thankful for many of the friendships I formed in the last year because of this conversation. 
um, I've lost friends, but I've also gained I've gained many good friends who, uh, you know, we keep in contact uh, just just through just through the Internet. Uh, it's been a blessing um, that many people have, have wanted to even develop these relationships with me. And so, uh, man, I'm I'm thankful, you know, and so. Uh, what was what was the next one about? Oh, and so what are some things? If you don't have three, you can just name one. What's something okay. that's coming soon for you, or that you're looking forward to, or working on? Oh man, the 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 thing I think about immediately is, um, well, maybe I got two. So, um, getting a house built. So um, I'm looking forward to a new house. You know, so we are right first on. time homeowner, and so I'm looking forward forward to uh, you know the house. Um, two, I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of people next year, uh, um, in person that, that I've respected a lot, um, on, online. And so I got a conference I'm going to in, in, in January that I will meet, meet a couple people that I've, you know, respected and a lot of pastors, a lot of, a lot of influential people that, you know, have been a great encouragement. So I'll, I'll, I'll say those two right there. Awesome. Uh, that's gonna be exciting to get to go out and meet up with people again. We're looking yeah. forward to that next year oh, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then we we have your uh, where people can find you in the com. Uh, we have it in the description of the video. But just for anyone who's listening on the audio version, tell people where they can find you online, Chris. Yeah. So I'm most active on 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 Twitter and YouTube. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com. Uh, Kdub True, K D U B T R U, and YouTube, same thing, youtube.com slash K D U B T R U. And you guys definitely check out not just the Wakanda video, but um, the conversation that Chris and Samuel Say had. That's a really oh, yes. excellent one. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much for being patient, first of all, oh, yeah. and, and getting this scheduled, and, and then with our tech problems. And um, yeah, thank you for being on tonight. and sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Thank, thank you guys for having me. It was, it was a blessing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Sorry. I'm, uh, <laughs> right now. Good. So, appreciate the conversation. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys. Oh, yeah. Bye Carter. Bye. <laughs> Bye Chris. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please report any sightings to your local Twitter mob. Did you know that Gulags were actually compassionate educational institutions? 
If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Here's a fun fact, resistance to mandatory white privilege indoctrination is proof of your white privilege. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.